When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, we're back. We are back. And the Mets are finally back in that W column with a, a nice win, an impressive win. Needed, much needed win. Taryn, um, we have to be feeling pretty good after the Atlanta series, considering uh, you know, losing two out of three never really felt so uh so decent going into uh what should be a uh, an interesting stretch of games for the Mets. Yeah, what an odd, odd series. They only get the five innings in on uh on Friday, uh, almost immediately after the Matt Olson three-run home run, they uh, end up uh, calling the game due to rain, nasty weather through the weekend. We get this uh, straight doubleheader on Monday, um, and it was uh, it was a it was back and forth uh, all day uh, over the two games, and um, you got to see what makes these two teams so tough. While the why they'll both be there at the end. And um, good for the Mets for uh, making the most of the situation. Uh, and, and it's exciting because they have some opportunities really to, to get fat over the next few weeks. Yeah. And they, you know, it looked like they were right back on track. Um, you know, we haven't really, we haven't talked since I looked back on our episode list and this is when Beatty got called up. So it's been a little while we're, we're busy guys, but um, mm-hmm. you know, they left San Francisco on a split. Not yeah. ideal, but it was a nice road trip. Seven and three in California. That's a that's a nice ten days. Yeah. Um, you come home and and you you're hoping that you get some momentum out of that. And they, you know, the Nets just simply outplayed the Mets. And and you know they're not quite there as a group. We've talked about the Nationals. We talked about the Pirates. We talked about the Nationals. We talked about uh, a lot of teams that are really playing well right now and bright futures that are kind of on fast forward, but. We'll get to that another time. Well, Tim, we've also talked about this, right? Your momentum in baseball is only as good as your next day's starting pitcher. And the Mets haven't had consistency out of that spot. We've talked about that all year. Um, so I, I'm not sure that anyone should be terribly surprised. If you, if you don't get good outings consistently, you're taxing your bullpen a lot. You've got a lot of guys shuffling up and down. Max has been suspended. Verlander hasn't made his debut yet. Um, so I think this team, right, has a lot to look forward to over the the next few weeks. Oh, absolutely! But I think that they're still working out some. Um, they're working out some 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 kinks, and and I think that you know you look at. I think they scored nine runs on Thursday against the Nationals uh, last week, mm-hmm. and only nine runs combined their previous four games, and that was you know last two in San Francisco, first two against against Washington. Um, you know, that's a something that's wholly unexpected from, from a group like this. And, you know, you, you know, they put up nine against uh, the nationals to close out the series. You know, you, you hope that they're okay. They're coming out of it. They're looking crisp again. And then boom, a four, nothing loss to Atlanta and a range shortened game. And they looked, you know, it was a, a wonky game to begin with considering the circumstances, but um 
they just, you know, they looked flat. I think the, the weekend washout was a very, very good thing for them. Yeah. And I, I, I agree with you. Yeah. It was, it's been up and down. That's just kind of how it's going to be. Right. Like we've seen enough of what this team looks like over the last year plus now that, that we kind of understand that when they're able to grind away these at bats and end it with a big hit, okay, you're going to score a lot of runs, but it's not uh, an offense where there's a bunch of guys that are going to go deep at any one time. And so unless they're playing like a 4A lineup like the A's, you're not going to necessarily see that uh, on a on a series-to-series basis for the Mets. Um, but I do think that the way that their lineup is constructed, uh, the way that they wear down pitchers, we saw it. All last year, they did it to Spencer Strider today. Um, I, I, I think that the the Mets give themselves a chance to get into the bullpens of these teams, and uh, and you saw them do some damage late uh, against Atlanta in the in the second game of the series, this first game today, uh, and scoring a lot of runs and giving themselves a chance. You also saw where they didn't come through with the big hit, right? A couple different situations in that first game. Um, where they had a chance to make it 6-5. Uh, they had first and third no outs in that inning where they got the the big home run from Pete off of Strider and um, couldn't get that fifth run home. They eventually get it later, but you give up another three-run blast to Sean Murphy, who uh, <laughs> as worried as I was about Sean Murphy, um, he's even scarier uh, in uh in what we've seen so far, right? He he's just seems like he's going to fit right in with the other Met killers that the Braves have had over the last, you know, couple decades. Oh, he had a quiet series this week, but you can count on Sam Hilliard doing some damage. Um, I'm not sure if many have seen his, his bat play uh, during his time in Colorado, but they don't call him Slam Hilliard for nothing. And uh, yeah, <laughs> no, really, he's going to be, he's a terrific addition. And, you know, that sort of, you know, borderline frontline depth on a Rockies or an A's. Um, you add that to a team like Atlanta, and oh my God, these guys just have the the opportunity to flourish. And you know, um, I've liked Sean Murphy since he came into the league. He's a fantastic defensive catcher. He can he can hit a ton. Um, yeah, he's giant gonna ass. huh? He's got a giant ass. He does. He does. He packs a, a lot in the trunk. Um, you know, and good for him. Yeah, who was it? Spencer Strider today. I bet you the Spencer Strider, uh, uh, Sean Murphy battery must be probably you know some of the most um, just just tremendous backsides in baseball, right? Two Strong quads on those guys. Yep. <laughs> um, I was encouraged how you know. I don't want to say that the Mets put themselves in the position where they had to, you know, really go to their work the count blueprint against Spencer Strider, especially on the stretch that he'd been on coming into Monday. But, you know, sending out Danny Reyes and having John Curtis and Steven Nagosek, who had a really, really nice outing, by the way. Uh, Jeff Brigham, Tommy Hunter also had a really nice day. But, you know, this is this almost was a recipe for the Mets offense to, hey, you guys have to show up because this is what, you know, you're going against one of the best young pitchers in baseball. And we're having a bullpen game without, you know, we're not using a lot of our frontline bullpen guys. So you're going to have to come out there firing. And they did. And they, they kept on coming back. And to touch on you on what you were just saying, the uh, 
runners with scoring position, I mean, they went three for 14 with runners in scoring position in game one on Monday. You know, maybe it's a 10 8 win instead of an 8 9 loss, uh, a 9 8 loss. If, you know, you put those that ball in, in play a couple of times or, or whatever, the, whatever the case may be. Um, but I do like how they came out in the second game. I like how the team kind of wakes up. I was very encouraged to see Eduardo Escobar hit a, you know, I don't want to say meaningless home run, but, you know, enough to get a little life back. And whether it was, you know, putting them in the in a driver's seat to maybe make a push in game one or just coming out game two with a little extra oomph, um, or even just personally for Eduardo Escobar, who really hasn't had a lot of at-bats and he's been struggling pretty much all year. You know, again, just like we just, just talked about, you're adding good players to a deep team. Eduardo Escobar at his best is still a really good player. And yeah. if he's yeah, if he's playing and if he's feeling right and if he could be a solid depth piece, even as a pinch hitter, as a right-handed batter facing lefties, it, it could it could play. And uh I hope he I hope he figures it out because it could be a nice wrinkle to this uh, this team. Yeah, that was nice to see uh in the ninth inning not giving away the at bats, right? They were down to their last strike. So, I, think we, I think he went inside on him, too, and he really got around on it quick and, and poked it out to left. He did. Uh, Ronnie said that he thought that that ball had beat him. So quick bat, too. That's uh, that's good to see. It's awesome. Really cool. Um, I know we're going to get into them in detail, but, you know, our stars of the game Monday were, were and, you know, I mean, of course, Trevor McGill, uh, excuse me, Trevor McGill, who just got traded, is, uh, is Tyler McGill's brother. But Tyler McGill, um, we talked a little bit before we hit record. You really have to be really encouraged by the progress that he's making. I mean, it's not always tangible progress, but you can see that, you know, he's figuring out what's working, figuring out what's not working. Um, do you feel like maybe he was put in a predicament outside of his control going too deep into the sixth on uh, on Monday? Uh, I thought he was doing fine going into that, right? Um, and, and really, he was just... Uh, in that inning kind of falling behind guys and, and he fell behind Rosario. And when you put that ball there against that guy, yeah, he's gonna, he's gonna lace it. So um, that was, uh, that was a tough ending to, I thought what was a pretty solid outing through five innings. He was really doing a great job. So um, the Mets desperately need some length, you know, it's just, uh, you can't have this uh, every turn through where you're not getting a, a good outing from the starters. So um, I thought he did a good job in that he was able to give them at least half the game, uh, obviously left uh, on, on the wrong side of it, but thankfully they were able to battle back and, and they did get the big hit, right? Um, yeah. And we'll, we'll talk about Alvarez and, and well, Marte, Marte did it first. Marte got him tied up and um him coming back from his little mini slump because he started off the year okay, very small sample size, but he's been really, really struggling since. Um, yeah, that little uh, little line drive up the middle uh, in game two, I believe in the fifth inning. Um, yeah, that was big time, especially after Joey Cora had made the decision to hold Beatty there. <laughs> you know, they said it on the broadcast, and he's like, you know, just – notoriously aggressive as a third base coach. Um, I, I'm, I didn't watch the post game presser. I don't even know if they brought it up, but yeah, you have to wonder what the, uh, what the process was there. 
Yeah, I'm not sure either, but um, thankfully it didn't end up being something that we have to worry about too much. We don't. We don't. Hey, I mean, and he had a really, really nice outing once he did come into the game, but if Drew Smith was ready and Tyler McGill was clearly running out of gas and struggling towards yeah. the end of that sixth, what's your what's your thought process on not just going to Smith in that spot? You think, you know, getting – you think you're going to get that much more out of McGill and in, in that much in the in the trouble that he was in? Well, I think that Buck was just trying to see if he could get through the inning. Um, I know that it's always like a, a, a tough thing to ask your reliever to come in with the bases juice. So, um, yeah, thinking call. that he could maybe get through the inning, thinking that he could give Smith the the fresh start. Um, and Smith hadn't pitched in – I mean, everyone's been fresh because they didn't pitch through the weekend. But I want to say that his last appearance was April 23rd in San Francisco. Sure. Yeah. No, I mean fresh in terms of not having uh, to deal with all of the traffic and, and worry about making the mistake and all of that. But Oh, yeah. He did come in and he, he got that final out. So that was, uh, that was big time. Uh, another guy that had a, a really good performance today that the team really needed was uh, Steve Nagosek coming off the IL. He was he was uh, really sharp. Extremely sharp. He's not going to overpower you. He's not going to blow you away with his fastball. But, boy, he's a um, he's fearless, and he, he leans on his command and his confidence kind of – it almost <laughs> – his command and his confidence go hand in hand. It, 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 you see him when he's feeling it. He puts the ball wherever he wants to put it. He works at bats exactly how he wants to work them. Um, I'd love to be a fly on the wall and hear how talk, how the whole Mets pitching staff is conversing with Francisco Alvarez and vice versa, and how that's just kind that whole relationship is budding. Because I mean, you can almost see that Nito's kind of fading into the background, and once you know, if and when Narvaez is ready to go. You know, unfortunately, Nino's had a great run, but it's probably coming to the point that he's going to be the odd man out. Um, you know, I, I'm very curious to see the progress that happens internally on a you know one by one and as a group working with Alvarez and the pitchers and the young guys, especially looking at Nigosek. Um, his confidence just plays, man. I, I'm really, really intrigued to see how just on a player by player basis some of these guys kind of just move into the year and real quick how about david robertson who closed out the day with a uh, a two inning save to lower yeah. his season era at 0. 0.68 yeah i i mean that's that's amazing he's been incredible and he's been so important uh given you know what the mets have dealt with at the back end uh losing diaz obviously so uh for him to be able to provide that type of uh, effectiveness is uh, is awesome, and he's also just like a, a like a, a guy that's been around forever, and, and just a guy that you really root for. He, he always gives great post game interviews, and uh, seems like a really humble guy. So I'm a big fan of uh, of Robertson, and so happy that the Mets finally got him. He's been somebody that's been on their radar for a couple of years now. Yeah, yeah. Felt like every uh, every trade deadline he was kind of in the mix. And no, oh, he's going to Tampa Bay one year and going to Phillies another year. And, you know, we talked about how well he's been in the postseason wherever he's went. And, yeah, I think picking him up to be a, 
a back end guy was, you know, probably the, one of the best moves that they could have made with their bullpen this offseason. Um, now, considering that, you know, with Diaz out and uh, I don't want to say Adovino has been less effective, um, but having the ability to go to either of them in, in pretty much whatever situation you want in those last two, that that could end up being a luxury. I'm really I'm convinced of that. Yeah, absolutely. And there's still a lot of room for them to improve that. And I'm sure that they'll try uh, going into this uh, deadline, which, you know, we've got so much baseball left to be played before that. Oh, I think they're going to be, if things are middling, even remotely, I think that they're probably already have wheels turning if they want to make upgrades and Hey, I'm all for it, man. Stay on the, on the, on the fly, but you want to take a quick break. We'll get into, uh, into what these kiddos are doing. Let's do it. All right, cool. Hang tight, guys. We'll be right back. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. And we are back. Darren, we talked quite a bit um, when Francisco Alvarez came up and he was struggling. Even last year when Brett Beatty was struggling, when he came up for a short short cup of coffee uh, at the end of the year. And then we talked about it. Right when Brady, uh, when Brett Beatty was uh, was getting called up, our last episode uh, before our little our little break, um, you know, there's always going to be an adjustment period with a, a rookie, especially a highly touted rookie, and you know, you know, there's talent there. They wouldn't be in the position they're in if they weren't, you know, just upper echelon ball players. Um, it's taken some time, and within Beatty's case, you know, you're you're looking at. I don't know, maybe a hundred plate appearances. I, I actually don't even have the number in front of me, but um, you're finally starting to see the confidence come out. And we just talked about the confidence in the first half, but it really does. It, it plays in so many facets in baseball in any walk of life and what Beatty's doing and what you're starting to see Francisco Alvarez do. And he'll, I think he'll get there as well, but let's talk about Beatty first. Um, you know he's gone from he's taking some strides right now. I think I think we could leave it at that and be and kind of be all encompassing. Um, on a level of I don't know, let's say one to ten, how encouraged are you by the turnaround he's shown over? Let's say the last I, know, I think over his last seven games heading in today, heading into today, he was nine for twenty two, went three for nine today. That's 12 for 31 over his last eight games. Uh, I would put that as a, at, a, at an 11, my man. Where are you on this? Uh, I'll go uh, 22. <laughs> I love it. I love but, it. You know, with him, I think we all knew that this was possible. But I know that this isn't going to come as a surprise to anybody, but this game is really hard. And so he, he'll probably play well, and then he'll probably struggle again. Because even the guys that are – that you think of as like all-star or border hall, borderline hall of fame kind of talent. Like look at how Nolan Arenado has been scuffling a little bit. It's going to happen. Everybody, uh, no matter who they are, will put together rough stretches. 
that's just the way that this game uh, is. And so I think, uh, yeah, he's figuring it out a little bit. Uh, one thing that I really love to see, uh, there was all this to do about whether he could play third base defensively, um, and he's making every play over there. He cut that ball off today to turn two early in that um, that second game and uh, and ended up uh, get, uh, getting the double play. And I don't think that if he let that ball go to Lindor that, that they get to there. So um, that was a great play, very heads up. Uh, I love to see that. And uh, yeah, like you said, he had a, a really big day today. The, the home run off of the lefty, um, that was really good to see because, you know, the, the goal is long-term that this is not going to be some sort of platoon situation. We really like to have Brett Beatty penciled in as the everyday third baseman for the next decade. Um, and so in order for that to happen, he needs to show that he can hit both sides and, uh, and he's starting to show that. And he's also been a real, uh, fire starter for the Mets. I think, um, his big hits the last couple of games have started the rallies when they have scored. So, uh, I love to see that big fan of Brett Beatty and, uh, and, and really excited about what he's showing so far. Oh, oh my goodness. I mean, you know, all right. So his, he popped out in the third inning in game one on Monday. Um, you know, ho-hum, whatever, a little pop out. Uh, for the rest of the afternoon, so that's three more plate appearances ending in a batted ball in game one and four more in game two. His exit velocities were... Uh, 108.3 miles per hour. That was the home run that went out at 24 degrees. That's a rocket. 430 feet at 24 degrees almost seems impossible. That's a line drive going out 430 feet. That's ridiculous. Anyway, (laughs) 101.8, 106.2, 103.1, 106.4, 97.8. That is a day at the ballpark, bro. He must have been looking at beach balls all day. (laughs) Yeah, he's hitting the ball hard. He's seeing it really well. And uh, and that's going to come with experience. He's a guy that um, that you knew that he had this pedigree. And so now he's starting to show what we all thought that he was capable of. Oh, I mean, I, it, it's what – and I think that's what – you know, and whether it be pundits, whether it be fans, whether it be anybody, I mean, there's so much nuance when – just trying to gauge where a player's at in his development, in his career, professionally, you know, whether he's in a minor league situation, whether he's a pro struggling, whatever. So much nuance. You can't get into players' heads. But what you can do is look at a guy and look at how he's swinging, look at how he's conducting himself, look at what he's doing. And what Brett Beatty's doing now is what you would see out of a, you know, a young you know, all-star caliber guy on the cusp of superstardom. That's the level of just mindset that he's at least projecting when he steps into the box. He can hit anybody in his mind. And yeah, there was always going to be bumps in the road, and that happens to everybody. I mean, you can look at Mike Trout. Look at his first, I think his first like 100 games in the in the, in the pros were, were not great. Look at what Jared Kellenick's done over the last couple of years. He really had to figure some stuff out. He's finding his way. Brett Beatty, it only took him a hundred and something plate appearances 
and he's really, really starting to feel it. And of course, the cat and mouse game, it's going to be up, it's going to be downs. But boy, if he's making this sort of progress at this point, I am, um, you might, my, my, you know, I'm raising the ceiling at this point. I honestly thought that he would be a, you know, a cornerstone level third baseman, nice bat. Let's see if he could stick around long term. And look what he's showing early on. I mean, you know, you don't want to get into it too early, but man, that is one impressive young ball player. Yeah, absolutely. I, I couldn't say it better myself. Um, and Decomo had it today. Over his last eight games, Beatty is at 458, 500, 791, which is a great slash line. That's um, exactly what you're looking for. And, and um, I mean, that would be a great run for anybody, um, let alone a, a guy that's really getting a, a first extended stay, right? Because uh, he got hurt last year after his uh, uh, coming up, and he was struggling already at that point. So, um, this is, it's really cool to see. I mean, everyone was clamoring for the kids, us included, wanted to see Beatty up here, wanted to see if we could get some more production out of that third base spot and, uh, and we're getting it, which is awesome. Oh, absolutely. Girl. And, and I mean, Alvarez is dealing with his own set of struggles and I, and there's, you know, I think there's a lot more nuance there because he's learning two very, very important parts of his game, and like all players do, but um, you know, learning the catcher position as a major league as a as a major league level player, catching, you know, whether it be the Verlander Scherzer version of this staff or the staff that's been out there for the last couple of weeks, it's gonna be challenging for a young catcher. He's master well, trying to master that, you know, the, that development and also trying to you know, learn major league pitching from the batter's box. And yeah. he's been a little jumpy, maybe a little over aggressive at times, but, and I know it's been, this is a, uh, I need a late pass for this one, but we haven't been back in a while. His home run against Rogers in San Francisco, the yeah. under underhand, <laughs> you know, submarine upside down slider throwing guy. Which was chest high, yeah. Chest high. And, you know, you don't want to see a guy swing at that. But the confidence that you – and we keep coming back to confidence. This is not my point, but it's just tip of my tongue, I guess. Um, the, one, to the ability to track that pitch and see it out and know, oh, I'm going after this because I'm seeing it so well. You know, that – I know it's just one pitch and one at bat and one home run, but – that said so much to me about his ability as a hitter. Just, oh, this is my spot. I'm going to go ahead and take this into the seats. And and he did it. Um, I, I find it tough to believe it was a mistake just for the authority that he put into that ball, the charge that he put into it, the swing he put on it. Um, I saw so much from that just right that one swing. And since then – you've almost seen his confidence come a little bit more with each at bat. And it, I think over his last seven heading in today, he was hitting like 286, which is fine. OBP under, um, uh, I'm sorry, uh, uh, yeah, OBP under 320, I think like 317 or 318. That's not counting today. And he had a really, really nice day today, hitting the crap out of the ball. He shot that bullet to a left field off of uh, uh, Tonkin, put the Mets ahead, that McNeil shot later, but... That was just perfect. Anyway, um, 
But what Alvarez is doing, and again, it might be on a slower scale or just a, a more detailed or refined scale because he's doing two of these very important jobs at once. But um, I think he's going to get there too. I'm really confident in what I'm seeing so far. If he could command the strike zone and learn to to refine his zones, like if he could hit the high pitch, that's fine. You don't want to chase shit that you excuse me stuff that's at your chin. You just don't want to do it. But um, yeah. he has the ability to 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 take a mistake and send it four hundred feet away. That's impressive. I'm yeah, sorry, and I'm uh, drawn on, but I've had no, no, no. I agree with that, especially because with him. If he can get it in the strike zone, I mean, he has a really good shot of sending it into the seats or sending it into the gaps. It's um, giving himself as many opportunities as he can uh, at pitches to hit. Um, So, yeah, being selective in that sense is important, even if he can handle those pitches. Um, I, I also liked Buck said today that he was almost more impressed with uh, Alvarez's play behind the plate. And I agree with that. Um, I know that it ended up being safe, but the tag on Murphy, like he got it down. Um, he was well positioned for that. He um, also blocked a couple of balls with runners on, uh, held them. Uh, so that's, that was great. I, I, I'm so excited. And, and he, he has more opportunities ahead of him, right? Like, We've still got, what, another month or so before uh, Narvaez is even, like, ab- about to come back. He'll probably have to go on rehab assignment, I would oh, guess. Yeah. Calves and then any any lower lower body soft tissue stuff, you got to be so, so careful with that. Especially for a guy that's squatting all the time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, I did something to my, um, to my quad, you know, in a – dumb softball league running to first and it took me like three months to come back from that and i was just running running the first on a dumb softball league you know seriously these things can can really uh, hamper somebody and and i just hope that he's okay because adding a guy like narvaez down the line can be really big but man if, if alvarez can take this opportunity that's been kind of given to him and make it work not only for the team but you know through his development that's huge man yeah, and and it also made me kind of dream on something that Gary mentioned during the broadcast, which is that uh, the Braves can basically just rotate catcher DH with Sean Murphy and Travis Darno every game the rest of the season. And uh, you think about the offensive production that you can get out of that spot, those two spots. Uh, I mean, that's... That's amazing. And that's the type of thing that can really help propel an offense, especially when you have uh, a bunch of guys that are like more line drive types, which is what the Mets have. Uh, Even though they, you know, have the proclivity to go deep, it's not like you have a bunch of guys that are trying to uppercut the ball. Uh, Even Pete, who is the big home run threat, and does he still lead the bigs in home runs? He's at 11 now. Uh, I know he's up there. I don't know if he's still the uh, the league leader or not. But but just, even he is trying to hit line drives, and uh, and just so happens that he's so strong, and he he has a good approach at the plate that he can golf him over the wall. But uh, yeah, Muncy, by the way, I'm sorry. Yeah, Max Muncy stalled at eleven two, so they're they're tied up top up top again. 
Yeah. So uh, I, I think that Alvarez's development is a huge positive sign for the Mets and something that that can really, really help this offense, which, you know, it's been inconsistent. But if you have guys that can go deep, I, I mean, that really uh, changes what this offense looks like. Oh, yeah. And, and, you know, I know Buck said that he didn't want to, you know, he wanted to let Alvarez catch and he didn't want to play the right-handed DH game. But if Alvarez can, you know, I don't want to say speed up his development as a backstop, but become serviceable as a rookie backstop and still do his job and still be able to DH on days that he's not catching once Narvaez is back or once if Nito can pick things up and, and kind of share duties, whatever the case is, that does really solve a lot of problems for the Mets power. Cause you know, Alvarez, once he gets comfortable, he's going to hit, he hits lift lefties very well. He's has hit left lefties very well in the minors. You have to assume he'll do the same here. Um, Vogelback's coming around. His exit velocities are back up through the roof um, after a really slow ground ball ridden start to the season. Yep. It, it really, it adds a lot. It adds a new dynamic if you are able to add that pop to those guys, like, like you said, who can go in every direction, who can go line drives, you can put the ball where they want with back control, whatever. You have so many different looks throughout this lineup and even throughout your bench, you know, like Luis Guillorme. Sure, you talk, they talk about his glove, but his back control is right up there with Jeff McNeil's. And he's just a, you know, he's your bench, he's a bench guy. And he's one of the best in the league. At least it's it's a roster that was put together the right way with the right pieces. It just almost feels like they haven't even hit that. Forget about the fourth gear. They haven't even hit the third gear yet. You can almost see where it's going because there's just so many <clears throat> potential positives yeah that could be drawn from the pieces i'm sorry go no there's a ton of room for growth and by the way like you don't win 101 games on accident that's not it, it just doesn't happen this game is too hard there are too many good teams out there um the mets were a really good team last year and even though they faced another really good team in the wild card and they lost a series which by the way that'll happen I mean, they lost a series to the Nats. Does that mean that the Nats are a better team than the Mets? Probably not. And yeah. so uh, I, I think that it's easy to discount whatever we saw last year, but there are a lot of good players on this team. And they obviously got a lot of career years out of guys, but there's nothing to say that there can't be really excellent production and 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 an even higher ceiling with this group because you have the potential for Beatty to pop off for – for Alvarez to become an everyday kind of guy behind the plate. Those are opportunities for growth for the entire team. So uh, that's the fun thing about baseball, right? It's not over in April. No. And so imagine we're going <laughs> to... What? I said, imagine it was? Yeah. No, that'd be really boring, right? Because that, that'd be a very dumb way to to determine a, a winner and a loser of, uh, and the losers of the, uh, of the league, right? It, uh, any, so, any, let's all take a minute to point and laugh at the 2020 Dodgers. Uh-huh. Right, exactly. Season. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. But the, there's, there's so much of the story to be written still. And, uh, and, and so I'm excited. We're going to see what, what the Mets are made of and they've got some opportunities to get right now. They're going to get healthy. Having starting pitching is the most important thing in this league. And so, uh, 
they're going to get Verlander. They're going to get Scherzer back. I, I'm excited to to see what the next couple of weeks are going to look like because they've got some opportunities to look really good against some teams that aren't necessarily trying to compete. Well, you know, I saw a lot of people talking about the Nationals like they were a walkover team last week. And I hope that everyone took note of what walkover, quote unquote, walkover teams can do. <laughs> We've talked about the Nationals well, in the past. They're going to be a, a fine team moving forward. I kind of like that group a lot. Um, but yeah, you have Detroit, who's not really doing much of anything these days. Colorado, Cincinnati, who they're hit or, hit or miss. I don't know if we're facing Hunter Green, but he is an absolute stud. Um, He's awesome. Axford, that new contract too. Axford is a very, very good young pitcher. There are guys in that lineup who can who can certainly get things going. Um, and then you got the Nats for four before you uh, head home to face the Rays for three. So, you know, you can look at this next stretch of games like they're going to be winnable. And that wouldn't be wrong. These are winnable games, but you got to win the games, man. You have to go in there with a, a fire to go in there and say, hey, we have to – everyone does their job and they're going to come out of here – with a, with a win, and then we're going to come back and do it again tomorrow, and so on and so forth. And you can't win them all, but you can't let up, man. You have to – you can't, you know, score – how many runs did they score in the first two games against the Nationals? One. Yeah. One game in those first two – for one run it goes in those first two games against the Nationals. Yeah. That's not how you come out against a team that you're supposed to win against. Nope. You have to – um, yeah, this is going to be – more of a litmus test than more uh, than more people are, are thinking for this next uh, this next run of games. I think even just oh yeah, they're, they're very important games because yeah. you also only have one off day in that in that time. You've got to go to Detroit, come back home, and then you go to Cincinnati and Washington. Uh, so if they can take nine out of those thirteen, like that's really great. Like I, I, that's what I'm looking for for the Mets to assert themselves as, as a real contender. We know that they are at least on paper and, uh, and they're finally getting their pitchers back. So yeah. that's what we should be seeing. That's what we should expect to see. Oh, and that's what they should expect from themselves. And now you got, you know, Lucchese starting things off in Detroit you're going to have Verlander. You're going to have uh, Scherzer both back in the rotation. You have Sanga back on, uh, I believe that's the first game back at home. He goes against the Rockies tentatively. Um, it, it's, you know, it's a watermark point in, in the season, whether you're playing good teams or bad teams, because now's the time that you really got to, you know, position yourself. And, yeah, maybe things haven't gone the Braves way in, in every facet or the Phillies way in every facet or, you know, the Padres, look what the Padres are going through right now or the White Sox. Right. Like you said, it's a month of the season. There's five more to go. Like, uh, you know, there, there's a, a lot to, um, a lot can happen. And, you know, like you said, 13 games, they take 10 to 13, nine to 13, you know, that it just shakes things up even more and, and the momentum and the confidence and Yeah. Very, very big week. Yeah. And and particularly important because the rest of May, uh, I think those games against Tampa Bay are the only games against teams that are currently above 500 
uh, everybody else, or um, is Philadelphia 500? So them as well. But uh, those are at the end of the month. So otherwise, there are a lot of opportunities here for for the Mets to to play good baseball against teams that aren't necessarily in the upper echelon of Major League Baseball. And then June becomes really tough. Um, you got Philly, Toronto, Atlanta, Pittsburgh, who's been a nice surprise. The Yankees will probably be right by then. St. Louis, Houston, Philadelphia, Milwaukee, who swept us for four. Um, so these are really important games. I, I I don't want it to come off like I was minimizing them in that uh, these are teams that are not necessarily uh, competing for division titles, but they're really important because you don't get all these opportunities all the time to play teams that maybe aren't as talented. Yeah. Oh, I mean, and and just looking down, I guess, like you were saying about May, I mean, the Cubs are right now a game over 500. They're 14 and 13. Oh, okay. Um, Phillies are all, Phillies are also a game over. They're 15 and 14. Cleveland's at two under. They're 13 and 15, which I will not sleep on Cleveland. I really, really like that team. I think that they are also kind of middling right now. They've been able to struggle to score runs. Yeah. Well, score runs. I don't think they've gotten everything that they wanted out of their pitching staff so far. Um, They also haven't had Tristan McKenzie yet. Yeah. Yeah. He's one of my favorites. We talked about him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Look at the Texas Rangers. And boy, I hope Jacob deGrom is okay. Um, first and foremost, but Texas Rangers is 17 and 11, bro. They're like second in the majors in runs scored. Um, good for them. Damn good for them. Yeah. They spent a lot of money. I'm glad that they're good. Yeah. Maybe Jacob DeGrom wasn't so crazy when he was talking about, oh, I like where this team is heading. I like where they have championship aspirations. Everybody called him crazy. Even this week when people were like uh, giving him a hard time when he got hurt, like, like that's, that's not the right thing to do at all. But, um, yeah, you know, Jacob DeGrom made his decision. We'll find out in a few years if he made the right decision or not. Chances are for 180-something million dollars, he made the right decision for himself. We'll find out if the Rangers made the right decision soon too. But in any case, they've had a very nice start to the season. They have a really, really nice group at the major league level. They haven't organization that's willing to spend money and they have a good prospect system. When Jacob DeGrom was talking about championship culture, maybe he wasn't embellishing all that much, but for either or I just hope Jake's okay. I hope he can go back and pitch with these guys. And yeah, it really just goes to show you that all it takes is a little bit of culture change within whether it's a clubhouse, an organization, whether it's in a, a pitcher's meeting, whatever, one idea turns into another good idea and whatever and so on and so forth. And boom, you have all of a sudden you have a successful mindset. Maybe you might see that happen among this clubhouse within the Mets. You might see it happen other in other places. Who knows? Maybe the Marlins reel off 30, you know, 30 out of 45 wins this summer <laughs> and put them. No, really. I mean, anything can happen. It's baseball. We've talked yeah. about this a million times. Yeah. All it takes is that little spark, man. And boy, if the Mets can take this next 13 game stretch and really make a spark out of it, beat some good teams along the way and beat up on some winnable, on some beatable teams on the way, then, you know, it's all the better for them, man. Absolutely. Oh, I kind of, I've been droning on. I apologize, bro. 
No, no, no. This is great. I agree. I'm excited to see where it goes from here. I can't believe we, I didn't say, I, I don't think we got the whole episode in during intermission of the Rangers Devils game, but we didn't miss anything. It's still zero, zero. Awesome. I can't wait to watch. <laughs> this is going to come out in the morning and there's going to be a final score and be like, what the hell are they talking about? <laughs> um, what do you got going on this weekend? Anything exciting? No, <laughs> just busy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, my, my sister's graduating from college, so I'll, I'll uh, we'll be traveling for that. So I'm excited about that. All right. Congratulations to Taryn's sister. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, um, guys, we will be back. Um, hopefully we'll be back to talk about some Mets wins. And until then, you guys know the sign-off. It's let's fucking go Mets. We'll see you guys later. All right? Peace.